Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right, my friends. You are listening here to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. I'd like to point out here, in the name of science, in the name of science, that the world's most premature baby just turned one year old. Just turned one year old. Experts said that this baby would never survive. Now the baby is one. In fact, they gave this baby, this is in Minneapolis, a 1% chance, a no, no, a 0% chance of survival. That was what was said. That was what was predicted. This was supposedly science. The scientific community had spoken. A baby that was 21 weeks, uh, 21 weeks after in gestation for 21 weeks, said that this child would not be able to survive. Literally a 0% chance. 0% chance. Now, I know that some folks um, may be tuned in this morning and they've taken math lessons from Bernie Sanders or someone else in the radical left and not understand what 0% means. 0% means it can't happen. 21 weeks, this child was uh, defeated, well, overcame the odds. I guess, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I don't, miraculous, positive news, good news. But this is the sort of thing that, you know, science, it's amazing that we're told that the left is this pro-science group of people, people that are, Being led by the technocrats, we should give up our liberties and listen to the scientists and the professionals, the experts. Of course, they always seem to side with liberal ideology, which uh, in this particular case is that a child that's 21 weeks would actually not survive because that, of course, falls in line with what the radical left wants us to think about about the issue of life. It doesn't begin until whenever they say it does, which is some later period of time, and that uh, this life isn't really a life, and that someone can ha- has full control um, and full say over whether this life is allowed to grow or not. 21 weeks. 21 weeks, this child just turns just turned one year old. Remarkable. And, you know, that's, I think, what I want to talk about today is just you know the real battle for this this country is is cultural it's cultural it's being waged i've said this before it's being waged on the political battlefield but it's a cultural battle it's a it's a battle of worldview it's no longer it's no longer it's it's not what we would i guess call traditional politics and it it, it is in some some capacity, but I think it's it's so much past that. This is why one of the reasons I wish that the church would 
the, the big C church in general. I'm not talking about individual congregations or individual pastors because some of them are not afraid to engage in these things, but some are. Actually, I would say many are. Many churches are afraid to engage because they've been duped, they've been tricked, they've been bullied, they've been manipulated into thinking that they shouldn't talk about quote-unquote politics, when in reality, politics is hijacked. Politics is hijacked so many things that are uh, that, that used to traditionally be, you could put into the uh, category of, of, I don't know, philosophical debates, ideological debates, worldview debates, which of course, when you're talking worldview, one of those worldviews, one of the worldviews that's out there is is one, um, a biblical worldview. And so there is, um, but, but we've, we've been tricked into thinking all these things are, are political, just like, just like abortion um, we're led to believe is political. And because it's political, people who have religious convictions are not allowed to talk about a political issue. This is just how the conveniency, how convenient it is for the left, how convenient it is to move the narrative into their direction. They effectively trick people into silencing themselves. Can't talk about that. It's political. What are you talking about? You can't be a a believer. You can't be a person of any faith whatsoever. We had to talk about the science on this. Well, we did talk about the science on this, and you were dead wrong. Dead wrong about a lot of science. Dead wrong about a whole lot of science. The beginning of life is one of those things that's about as obvious as it can possibly get. Life begins at conception, scientifically, morally, logically, philosophically, no matter how you slice and dice this. There is no other way. There is no other, there is simply no other way to define the beginning of life. There just isn't. None. Literally no other way. You talk about 0% chance. How about this for 0%? There's a 0% chance that there is any logical way to define the beginning of life other than at conception. You have uh, you have the the sperm and the egg cell. I don't mean to go through bio, you know, biology 101 here, or heck, even junior high health class. But you have two components that are biologically, you know, one is biologically the mother, one is biologically the father. They combine. Science has shown us. I've been, what do I want to say? I've been uh, kind of amazed at one of the things science discovered. There's a burst of light, which I find incredible, at the moment of conception that science has, has actually discovered. And then from that moment on, there begins the process of cellular replication begins, and it goes from a, you know, the, the egg and the sperm cell. They begin to multiply, and it be, genetically becomes 50% the mother and 50%. This, this life becomes 50% each, the mother and the father, and begins to grow from that moment on and it's not long when it uh, when that child that unborn child begins to develop things like a heartbeat and fingers and toes it's a remarkable thing truly remarkable science is the science is there for anybody who wants to see it the problem is why don't people want to see some of this some of this science we're you know oftentimes if we take a position on something if we take a position on, say, 
we have our, I don't know, doubts about the degree of danger we're facing from climate change. We are just, I just, we're totally excoriated for this. What do you mean? How can you be so flippant? How can you be so dangerous? The sea levels are going to raise this many feet in the next hundred years. And I'm thinking, you can't even tell me what the weather is going to be tomorrow afternoon, but yet you can tell me the sea levels in 50 years. And you can say this by by even recognizing that the uh, weather, and I say weather, climate, they want to say climate. You know, there are climate has definitions, by the way. There are climate zones. If one climate turns into another climate, that would be climate change. But if it's temperatures are rising, it seems like there's another phrase or term for that to me. But yet you're not allowed to ask questions, not even allowed to ask questions. You know, this, this pro-life and, and pro-choice argument is framed many times to be, you know, just, okay, we got, we got both sides of this. We got two legitimate sides. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the things that the, the left thinks that it can, well, the, where the left has effectively shut out any form of opposition many times to their, to their beliefs. In fact, you're considered a Nazi if you <laughs> disagree with the radical left in, in some of these instances. Not even allowed to ask questions. Again, I go back to the origins of COVID. Now it's okay to suggest or ask the question about whether or not this virus came from a Wuhan Wuhan lab in China. There was a time when you were silenced on social media. That that to me was well is that should stand as a major major lesson for each and every one of us just to see how rampantly insane and how rampantly insistent these folks are in making sure that you agree with them, the radical left, politically and ideologically and from a worldview perspective. And if you don't, if you don't, you'll be shut down. You'll be shadow banned or outright banned or silenced or what have you. You stand the risk of that. But science... (laughs) Science stands firmly on the side of conservative principles and values when it comes to the issue specifically of of abortion. Again, the one-year-old child who was at 21 weeks, they said he could not survive, and now he just turned one. The most premature baby in history, and as scientific advancements increase— and make as we make improvements and strides, the 21-week child that was uh, that that medical science was able to save and help to grow. Maybe in a couple of years it'll be 20 weeks. Who knows where this stops? But the odds of zero percent chance that they gave this child a survival is it, it just it it's dumbfounding to me that, that a doctor would would say that. Zero percent. And the, the things that there's a zero percent chance of happening, I mean, there, there's a less, there's a greater than zero percent chance happening of a lot of crazy, ridiculous things. But to say zero percent goes to show just how, uh, just how firmly these folks are in the camp, in the camp of the worldview that's embraced by the radical left when it comes to the issue of life. But our battle, my friends, is cultural. 
Our battle, my friends, is based in worldview. It's not just, it's not like being a fan of the Boston Red Sox or the, or the New York Yankees. That's how some people look at politics. And, you know, in some ways, meaning that there's uh, people who are abusing the system or not really, I don't know. We have bad, bad politicians everywhere, but we have more. <laughs> we have more when they, uh, on the radical left, if I'm being quite candid. But this is not just picking a favorite team and sticking with them through thick and thin. This is truly, this impacts every aspect of our lives including whether or not uh, babies are allowed to live in some instances. So it's cultural. It's worldview. We've got to completely embrace and understand that and be prepared to fight that that battle on, on our terms. There's so many ways that we can have positive impacts or even win the arguments win these arguments, these cultural arguments, but oftentimes the deck is stacked against us through whatever typical tricks that they use, right? Where, again, they'll say the conservatives are Nazis or racist or homophobic or all these things, and it changes the, the debate immediately, which if you want to think of something racist, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, Democrat, <gasps> shock, Democrat, Sheldon Winehouse, He's a member of an all <laughs> an all white club. He was interviewed, caught on camera here, and I want to play a bit of this when we get back. All white club. The media should be demanding he resign or something, right? I mean, that's that's he's a member of an all white club and he's a democrat. Sounds a lot like something Robert Byrd would have been happy to do. Senator from West Virginia, Democrat as well, who was a member of the KKK back in the day. Of course, they're willing to forget, ignore, overlook all of those things and instead make up basically completely fabricate stories and storylines and all sorts of things about conservatives and Republicans, painting in your mind and the minds of the American public that they're the real racists. They're the ones who are effectively members of the KKK and so forth, which is absurd and ridiculous. But nonetheless, that's where we find ourselves. I've got to take a timeout. Come back. I'll share a little bit about this Sheldon Whitehouse story along, <laughs> along with some clips of his being interviewed, which is about as embarrassing in my mind as it, as it gets for a politician. So we'll get into that after the break. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. friends. <clears throat> so I want to share with you a little bit from an article, a little bit of an article here from hotair.com. This is headline. It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, Sheldon Whitehouse's systemic racism written by Ed Morrissey. We've been hearing a lot about systemic racism lately, especially from progressives in Congress. For instance, let's consider Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat from the state of Rhode Island, who has had a few things to say on the subject in relation to the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. Whitehouse also belongs to a group called 
the Bailey's Speech Club, which has no members of color at all. This has come up in Whiteland's pol- uh, White House's excuse me political career since 2006. 2006. So in 15 years, in 15 years, this group could not find a single person who wasn't white. Is that what I'm supposed to believe? 15, 15 years, since 2006 when he promised to resign from Bailey's Beach Club as well as another all-white social club. Maybe these are, well, that's a different one. Maybe there's the Speech Club and the Beach Club. It's, unless this is an error in the writing here, maybe this guy's involved in multiple only white clubs. Anyway, instead... He and his wife promised to take that up privately, that's a quote, with the other shareholders, even when opining on the Senate floor about systemic racism last summer. So here's a guy, senator, who's all okay, uh, perfectly fine with political grandstanding and making um, you know, ridiculous, outrageous claims that we're supposed to take as, as fact, as a gospel, that America is systemically racist – Meanwhile, here's a guy that only seems to want to belong to all all white clubs in the state of Rhode Island. Now, I know Rhode Island's tiny, but come on, uh, Senator Whitehouse. There have to be some minorities in your state, or none of them qualified to be in the speech club or the beach club. I mean, this is 15 years in the running here. But he was he was encountered this uh, reporter, I guess, or someone on Twitter here that that approaches some of these folks and and asks some questions, someone who does more of a service to journalism than anyone you'll find on CNN and and places like that. But this is um, just a segment. It might be the whole thing. It's only 50 seconds long of this this interview encounter. She asks him about this. I want you to hear this whole encounter and listen to – just listen to the nonsense that comes from this. It's truly ridiculous. Okay. Back in 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all-white Bailey's Beach Club, said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now, your family's been members. Your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that. I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Um, do you have concerns in 2021? I mean, obviously, it's been four years. You had remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Um, your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club, again, in this day and age, um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. We just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. Yeah. In other words, shut up. I wasn't expecting this interview to turn to turn on me like that. It's a long what, what do you say? It's a long tradition. It's a, it's a long tradition. This is just unbelievable to me. If you go and listen to speeches of this guy on the Senate floor talking about systemic racism. Systemic racism, how how uh, black Americans have been impacted through the structure of our government. It's it's inherently racist, they say. He's railed on this, and you know Democrats have the answer. And of course, in order to combat systemic racism, you have to vote for Democrats. That works out really perfectly well for them. Just 
if it's like a hand in a glove, if you want to stop systemic racism, vote for people like Sheldon Whitehouse. Problem is, when he actually has control, you know, systemic racism is this this concept, and of course, it fuels the whole critical race theory, or it's it's part and parcel of that. You you start throwing away around these terms, you start. It, it, it's it's too big for anyone to do anything about, right? It's just it's it's this this concept. Even if it is a hundred percent true, which I'm not suggesting, it just hear me out for a second. It's it's so large that there's nothing that any single person can do about it, and so they have to turn to the government to say, "Hey, we can't do anything. You guys have to fix it." And so we'll vote for you. Just root it out. Just go sniffing around inside our government, inside our institutions. And just root this stuff out. We don't even know where it exists, to what degree it exists. We're all biased anyway against our own our own racial tendencies and so forth. Help us. We're sorry for being white. Let's elect other white Democrats who apparently only join white groups like Sheldon Whitehouse here and go out and solve these problems. And and right before him, his did, did she say it, it came across to me like his wife's a member of – of the board of this group, or she's at least highly influential. They've been a part of this group for some time. Here's something that's directly within their power, directly within their power, and they do nothing about it. It goes to show you, and you know, knew this already, but it is demonstrable proof that this is a dog and pony show, the way that they politic about everything. And that's what I mean when I said off the top that this is a cultural and a worldview battle that we are facing and politics just happens to be the battlefront politics happens to be the front in which this battle is being waged because folks he they could do something about their little all-white group they could change that they don't want to apparently that i mean what other options are there am i supposed to believe that not a single black person wants to be a part of this i mean i don't know anybody Maybe nobody wants to be a part of this stupid little thing. I don't know. But the hypocrisy, the it's just it's political gamesmanship. It's it's smoke and mirrors. There is nothing real here. And these folks make a living, make a career out of manipulating and misleading the Ameri- the American people. They do. And folks, we allow this to take place. I know there's not enough of you and I necessarily to stop this, but there's a lot of people, if they were aware of this and understood what was going on, if, even if they were simply aware of this, media doesn't report on stuff like this. If this was Ted Cruz, you better believe that they would report on something like this, or if this was uh, Mitch McConnell, or of course Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Laura Trump. Melania Trump, anybody named Trump, this would be front page news. But it doesn't matter. They won't report on this. They allow this stuff to happen. They let these folks get away with being complete and utter hypocrites. Allow them to talk about systemic racism, some, again, sort of big, you know, almost undefinable thing that no one really knows, even if it was... The, the way that things worked, how do you fix that? You got to give it over to someone else who has power over you to fix it, right? And it works perfectly for the radical left and their insatiable quest for power and control and, well, the ability to direct this country in ways that are 
the opposite, contrary to how this nation was founded. So, wanted to share that with you. Lots more to get to. By the way, program brought to you in part, brought to you in part by Intrepid Financial. IntrepidFinancial.com. Concerned about your investments? Intrepid is always ready to walk you through your investment strategy. They've been helping Hoosiers since 1998, family-owned and operated. IntrepidFinancial.com. Check them out or call 317-818-1776. You got to love that phone number, 317-818-1776. Quick timeout back here in just a minute. realize they have realized that the olympics are approaching quickly in fact i've been watching a little bit not much but a little bit of the olympic trials it's always interesting to see just i don't know you you look at the the sacrifices and the training and the moment under the lights and the pressure and just some of these uh, some of these stories and performances are remarkable and to to get to the olympics is a major feat uh it just the amount of competition especially in this country is one of the reasons and you know america usually does very well at the olympic games and there's just a lot of competitors a lot of worthy folks who can you know compete who have a chance to win sometimes there's some dominant athletes like michael phelps for example or usain bolt even though he was not american he was jamaican but just dominant you know athletes that i just loved to watch i mean i to me there was nothing more amazing to watch than, than competitors like that in in sport and just to watch them I was telling my wife the other day just to watch them compete, but I remember back in 2008 there was an Olympic uh, swim relay. I forget which one it was, but it was the most improbable victory. And of course, still not at zero percent for those in the scientific community, but it was improbable. And it literally the U.S. swim team won. Um, they accelerated through the last swimming stroke as the I think the Chinese or maybe the Australians. I can't remember who was. They had uh, timed their last stroke to where they were decelerating at the end, and they touched the wall. I mean, it was a hundredth of a second or some some such thing apart. Just a remarkable thing. Anyway, Olympics are, to me, I, I like the Olympics. I do. Headline here, post-millennial. Biological male will compete in women's weightlifting for New Zealand in Tokyo Olympics. Laurel Hubbard has qualified for a spot on New Zealand's women's weightlifting team for the upcoming Tokyo Olympic Games. Hubbard, who's 43, will also be the oldest Olympian to compete. So, Laurel Hubbard, biological male who identifies as a trans woman, again, reading here from the postmillennial.com, has qualified for a spot on New Zealand's women's weightlifting team for the upcoming Tokyo Olympic Games. Hubbard, 43, will also be the oldest to compete. I'm grateful and humbled by the kindness and support that many have given to me by so many New Zealanders, Hubbard said in a statement, according to BBC. 
This will be the first time that the world will see a biological male competing against biological women in the Olympic Games. It was rumored that Hubbard would qualify automatically for the Games this year. In May, an International Weightlifting Federation insider confirmed to The Guardian that she would automatically qualify because of amended rules approved by the International Olympic Committee. So anyway, that's... I'm going to skip ahead to this part here. Hubbard took home gold at the 2019 Pacific Games in the women's weightlifting category, besting two young Samoan women. So Hubbard then was 41 held the gold standing atop the highest podium while flanked by Samoans, uh, Samoa's Commonwealth Games gold medalists. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the names, but they won silver and bronze. So Hubbard lifted 268 kilograms, which was 7 kilograms and 13 kilograms more than the closest competition. By contrast, or for comparison's sake, the men's Gold Coast competition was one with a lift of 330 kilograms. Now, these women who lost are not, they, they've challenged this, they're not happy about this. Folks, this is not bio, you talk about, again, science. Folks, science has proven whether you like it, whether you hate it, whether you love it, doesn't really matter. Science, it is scientifically undeniable that men in general, there's always exceptions to the rules. I understand that there's always the possibility for exceptions. But in general, men are stronger. They have more muscle mass. They have um, a, a higher ability to lung capacity. And they, there's athletic advantages in men in general. And so he, th- this competitor, Hubbard, um stands a biological advantage over these women and they've they've challenged this in fact if the media and the left were against something like this headlines would be something like um transgender woman steals is you know as racist and prevents samoan women from winning their real medals from winning the gold and the silver medal because that's what effectively happened here. We're allowing, we're allowing some white New Zealander, transgender woman, to come onto the stage on in the weightlifting competition, and push aside all these minority women. I mean, we've got Kamala Harris, the first—I don't even know the full name—but Pacific Islander, American Pacific Islander, to be. Vice President of the United States, female as well. Um, these are Asian Pacific Islanders, females as well, that are being, um, well, I, one could argue having the their gold and silver medals respectively stolen from them. by Again, by a white person. A white person. We can all allow this? Maybe this person's in Sheldon Whitehouse's club as well. I don't know. Maybe she will receive an invitation to attend the white members only club that Sheldon Whitehouse is a part of. But this is, again, these things are, are cultural 
these things are, this is nonsensical. I mean, the idea that there's no advantage here is not living, not living in reality. So this is going to happen at the Olympic Games as well. Um, I also saw too, which I guess I can get to next segment, just an American athlete with some things to say if this, um, if they were to, to win the, get on the podium, what they're going to do. I'll share that as well. Very, <laughs> uh, I, I guess you're, I'm, there's going to be Americans rooting against some of the Americans based upon some of this rhetoric. But anyway, transgender issues are becoming so out of control in the sense of, you know, sports competition that we're literally now going to have biological men who are now transgender women competing against women in the in the Olympics and everyone's supposed to just act like this is acceptable, fine and and normal. So, quick time out in order. You're listening here to the Home of Conservative, not better talk. I'm your host Todd Huff back here. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Now, before we want to say that the only folks uh, dealing with, you know, having Olympians who are going to be having competitors, um, transgender females competing as <clears throat> biological females in the U.S. or in the Olympics, before we think that that's only overseas folks, that's of course not not true. We have an Olympic athlete named Chelsea Wolf, BMX freestyle rider, who identifies as a trans woman. Chelsea Wolf has threatened to burn the flag. That's right, to burn the U.S. flag on the podium. This is at Fox News. BMX freestyle rider Chelsea Wolf, who qualified as an, uh, an alter- alternate to represent the U.S. at this summer's. Olympics in Tokyo said last year that her goal was to win the Olympic medal so I can burn a U.S. flag on the podium. My goal is to win the Olympics so I can burn a U.S. flag on the podium. Talk about woke. This Chelsea is woke, man. This is this is woke. This is as woke as it gets. My goal is to win the Olympics so I can burn a flag on the on the podium, a U.S. flag. Better not be any other nation's flag, because that would be, of course, racist and insensitive. But the U.S. flag, perfectly fine. This is what they focus on during a pandemic, hurting trans children. This is a Facebook post on March 25th. They, I don't know who they are, but they try to hurt trans children during a pandemic. And that's what Wolf wrote on Facebook in March of 2020 along with a, a link to a pink news story about the Trump administration's stance on transgender girls in female athletics. Wolf identifies as the transgender woman. Wolf told Fox News at the Post, which has been since deleted, doesn't mean she doesn't care about her home country. <laughs> Anyone who thinks that I don't care about the United States is sorely mistaken. One of the reasons why I work so hard to represent the United States in international competition is to show the world that this country has morals and values. Chelsea is going to be the ambassador for 
American morals and values around the world. That's how that's what she thinks anyway. Um that it's not I continue here, that it's not all of the bad things that we're known for. I take a stand against fascism because I care about this country and I'm not gonna let it fall into the hands of fascists. After so many people have fought and sacrificed to prevent fascism from taking hold abroad. Chelsea is I mean, this is beyond confused. Chelsea, this is woke. This is woke. Chelsea is probably writing books on being woke because this is this is as woke as it possibly gets. As a citizen, Chelsea continues, who wants to be proud of my home country, I'm sure as hell not going to let it take hold here. Fascism. Of course, ironically, if you ask Chelsea about Antifa and their... Uh, you know, the so-called anti-fascist behaving completely in fascist ways. I'm sure Chelsea would be confused by by that as well. Chelsea's also um, had some things to say about Donald Trump. Joked, reportedly joked, about exploding former President Trump's head, which, whatever, I don't want to get into all this. I mean, this you you know. From what I've told you, you know your imagination can run wild. We know the type of, you know, what, what, what we're dealing with here. Chelsea wants to win a medal, not for an accomplishment, not for to, to burn a flag. That's the reason. Not a lifetime of, of competing and training and trying to get to the top of, of the sport. No, to burn a flag. Burn that flag on the, on the podium, the American flag. She's also not ashamed of her country. She's just ashamed of the fascists. Of course, she's aligned with the fascists, but anyway, get out of a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. Program brought to you in part by our friends at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. Here we are into the hot. We're in summer now. It's a hot time of the year here in central Indiana. You may need that furnace. It's not the furnace. No, the air conditioning unit checked out as we as we get ready for the warmer summer months, the hotter summer months. If you need help with that, consider reaching out to our friends at Economy Heating and Air Talk with Jod and his team, economyheatingandair.com. Be sure to tell them that you heard about them on the program. So, folks, all sorts of things happening around us. But this this battle that we're facing, this battle that we're facing is at its root cultural. It's a worldview battle. It's being waged on the political battlefront, but it's not necessarily political. And we've got to fight it as such. And I've got to go. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.